That's what we want to do today is let the King of glory in. We want him to be here, right here, and he is. The Bible says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. So really, you don't have to pray, God, I want you to be with me today because he already is if you're a Christ follower. But what we're saying by open up the gates, let the King of glory in, is let's let him do everything he wants to do in our lives today. Let's let him do everything he wants to do in our church, in our families, in our workplaces. We want the King of glory to be a part of everything that we do. And when you let the King of glory in, what happens is he does miracles in your lives. He gives you breakthroughs in areas where you get stuck. And I really sense today that God wants to bring some breakthroughs. What area of your life have you been stuck in? Maybe for the last several months, the last several years, but you've just been stuck and you really need breakthrough. You want breakthrough. I believe the King of glory wants to bring breakthrough today as we let him in and just do what he wants. And maybe you're at the point where you've pretty much given up. That's a good place to be because if you give up and give over to the King of glory, then he can bring the breakthrough. Don't give up and give up. Just give up and give over to the King of glory. So let's do that right now. Dear God, we come before you. We recognize that you are the King and we're not. And you're the King of glory. And so we just swing wide the gates today. And I pray that everyone who's worshiping with us online right now would just swing wide the gates of their home and their heart, wherever they're watching, so that you can just do all that you want in their lives. And I pray that everyone here at the Woodlands campus and our Atascacita campus would just swing wide our hearts, Lord, to let you do whatever you want. And I know that there are many, so many of us, Lord, have areas of our lives where we're stuck and we need breakthrough. And so today we open up the gates. We open up the floodgates so you can do whatever you want, Lord. We surrender to you those areas of our lives because we've tried and we can't do it. And we ask you to bring breakthrough so that we'll never be the same again. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. What if you decided to go to a personal trainer this year because you really want to get serious about getting physically fit, losing some weight, having more energy, getting healthy, and you're at the gym waiting for the trainer and you're really excited to get some expert coaching, some encouragement, some accountability to help you really stick with it this year, and then you notice the personal trainer is late. He's five minutes late, and really you just got there so you don't think too much of it. In fact, you're kind of glad he didn't know that you were late. But you really start to wonder when he's 10 minutes late and 15 minutes late and 20 minutes late. But all of a sudden, he rushes in and you notice he's at least 200 pounds overweight. He has a cigarette in one hand and a donut in the other. And he sits down next to you just totally out of breath. And he introduces himself. Then he starts to tell you about the fitness plan he's going to put you on that's going to change your life. And then he goes on to tell you his personal story of how physical fitness changed his life. He says, five years ago, I knew nothing about fitness. But then I started reading. I read books about nutrition and exercise, how to develop lean muscle mass, how to burn fat. And I studied those books for five years. I've memorized them. Even watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary seven times. And so I know everything there is to know about physical fitness. And now that I'm an expert on fitness, I just opened up my new business and you're my first client and this is gonna be great. Would you trust someone like that? 
to be your personal trainer? No way. I say, dude, you may be a nice guy, but I'm not sure you're going to live long enough to get me in shape. I want a trainer who's been there and actually done it. I want to look at someone and say, you know what? Maybe I haven't done it yet, but they did, and so maybe I can. I want to follow their example. And if you're a Christ follower, you have the ultimate personal trainer who's ready to take you on. He's the ultimate example. He's gone through the greatest pain in all of history, and he's come through with power. And so you can look to him. The God of the universe wants to be your personal trainer this year. He wants to coach you, train you, guide you, grow you to become the person that he made you to be. He created you and he cares about every area of your life. So when we're starting a new series that I'm calling Personal Trainer, it's really just letting God be the master, the personal coach of every area of your life. And so would you stand in honor of God's word as we look at our key verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. I want you to focus on those first three words today. May God himself. You can be seated. May God himself be your personal trainer. If you're a Christ follower, God himself is your personal trainer. May God himself, it says, make you whole and keep you fit. God cares about the whole you. With God, it's whole fitness, spirit, soul, and body. God wants to be your personal trainer to help you get spiritually fit, emotionally fit, physically fit, financially fit, relationally fit. So we're gonna to start today by talking about God's physical fitness plan. And maybe you're thinking, why in the world are we talking about physical fitness in church? Aren't we supposed to just talk about that spiritual stuff in church? Well, God cares about the whole you, every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body, this passage says, because our bodies are holy to God. God cares about your body. He wants us to have a healthy attitude toward our bodies. And there are three unhealthy attitudes that so many people today have about their bodies. And it causes all kinds of problems in every area of their life. And at the root are spiritual and emotional issues. First, you can reject your body. And some of you are doing this right now. You're basically saying, God, I don't like my body. God, you messed up when you made me. You should have made me different. Why did you make me the way you did? I, I don't like the color of my eyes or the shape of my nose or I'm too tall or I'm too short or my metabolism isn't right. And on and on, you know, we go, God, I don't like my body. But look what Isaiah 45, nine says. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? That's what we do to God. When we say, God, you messed up with me. I don't like it. He's saying here that when you argue with God about the way he made you, the way he created you, then it causes all kinds of sorrow. Now, God says, you can bring to me all your complaints and gripe to me and 
Just don't gripe to yourself and others because that's a sin of unbelief. But when you come to me and just pour it out on me, I, I can take it. So we can do that with God. You can do that with God about your body. God, I don't get it. Why did you make me this way? And, and you can do that, but there's a certain point where you got to turn. Because when you get stuck on that, when you get stuck on that, then basically it's just sorrow. There's just pain. And you miss out on why God made you. He made you the way he made you for a reason, for his glory, and ultimately for your good. And you know, today, there's so much gender dysphoria with our kids growing up and teenagers and young people who feel like that, hey, you know, God made me a boy, but I want to be a girl. God made me a girl, but I want to be a boy. I feel like I'm in the wrong body. And gender dysphoria and gender reassignment surgery has increased in the U.S. in the last few years by a thousand percent. And so many are becoming transgender, saying this is going to solve this gender dysphoria. But all the latest studies show that minors who went through gender reassignment treatment were more likely to be depressed afterwards and had a greater chance of committing suicide afterwards. And recently, Sweden, the first country to introduce gender reassignment surgery and hormone therapy, have now begun restricting giving it to minors after all this extensive study. And they've done the definitive study that shows it doesn't solve any of the problems. It just creates more. And now in the U.S., after these studies, a lot of people who really are proponents of, of becoming transgender and helping these kids transition So many of them are saying, yeah, I see those studies, but that's just because religious people make them feel guilty about themselves. And that's what they're feeling here. That's why they're more likely to be depressed. You know, that's what makes them feel bad. It's religious people who put that on them and make them feel shame. But, But see, here's the thing, not in Sweden, there are very little, very few religious, almost no religious people. Only 3% of the country goes to church and most of those aren't going to an evangelical church, and most of those think, hey, it's cool. And so nobody, in fact, it's just really celebrated in Sweden, like it's becoming celebrated in our country, and so that's not it. Kira Bell recently sued the English government. She regretted her transition from female to male. She filed a lawsuit in England against the public body responsible for gender dysphoria treatments, claiming she'd been too young at 16 to consent. And all the science now shows that young people, teenagers, their minds aren't even formed enough to make those life-altering decisions. And all the science shows that. And so it really is true. But, you know, we even have parents here at Wilden Church who, you know, they come up and say, you know, my child feels like they're a girl in a boy's body or a boy in a girl's body. And by the way, um, almost no girls felt that way. Very few girls felt that way until the last few years. And now that's just exploding like 2,000% of girls feeling like I'm in the wrong body. And I think it's just because it's almost like you know, contagious epidemic where everybody sees, well, maybe that I'm going through some tough times. Maybe that's it. That's got to be it. That's it. I feel like that's it. And so many now are finding out, no, I have some of the same issues, the same problems. But parents want to do what's right for their kids. We love our kids. And 
And when your kid says that, it's like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to help them transition because I love them and that's what I, I want to help them do. But they're not even able at this age, they don't even need to be making any decisions like that. And so parents just know that at Woodland Church, we have this great counseling ministry that helps walk kids along and affirms their feelings to say, hey, you know, I know you feel that way and I know it's tough, but you know what? When you follow God's plan, he's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. He made you the way he made you for a reason. He made you male for a reason. He made you female for a reason. And we walk through students. We walk through with them in our counseling ministry. And it's an amazing thing what God does. And we help parents because at Woodland Church is about truth and love. Truth and love. We'll always tell you the truth because God's truth is what really protects and guides our lives. It's best for us because he made us. He knows how he made us. He knows what he made us for. And when we follow his plan for our lives and for the body, that's what works best. And so we help kids you know, come alongside them and, and we walk with them through it to say, you know what? Hold on because God's gonna see you through. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. And so there are people that reject their body. And it's a temptation for most of us because with all the body image issues today and all the things that we see on social media, you know, so-called perfect bodies and perfect beauty, and it causes all kinds of problems. But today, I just encourage you to say, God, thank you for the way you made me. You know, I look in the mirror and I'm not quite sure sometimes. But thank you for the way you made me because you have a plan and I'm gonna trust you because that leads to joy and not sorrow. But then other people perfect their body. That's just the opposite extreme. Some people spend countless hours striving to make their body perfect. They spend all their time on their physical body but totally neglect the spiritual side of their life and their spirit has atrophied. And they wonder why they have all kinds of problems in their relationships and in the things that they're trying to do in life because they're missing out on the most important part of life, the spiritual side of their life. And women today are being bombarded by all these images on social media that try to tell them what beautiful looks like. And if you don't wear a size zero and look stick thin, you're not beautiful. And that's ridiculous. And it's been devastating to a whole generation of young girls having to grow up in a society that pressures them to try to look like a model. And that has nothing to do with what beauty is about. God intended for you to have some fat on your body, okay? That's part of God's plan for your life. That may be the most profound thing I say today. Now, maybe not as much fat as I have, but God, it's part of God's plan for your life. And by the way, studies show that models and movie stars have more body image issues than just about anyone else. So it's not about that. You can reject your body, you can perfect your body, and you can neglect your body. Most of us have this unhealthy attitude. We ignore our health. We eat unhealthy. We don't take care of our bodies. But what should we do? You know, what is a healthy attitude to have about our bodies? Well, the Bible says you need to respect your body. Respect your body. What kind of attitude does God want us to have toward the body? The Bible says we're to respect our body because it's valuable to God. And in order to do that, you need to understand how important your body is to God. God wants you to take care of your body because it's important to him. 
And the first reason why is because my body was created by God. Your body is valuable to God because God created your body. You see, he is the master artist and he formed and he fashioned you. And that's what Psalm 139, 13 says. He made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You are handcrafted by God himself. Your body is an engineering marvel. You're not a cosmic accident. God planned you before you were born and he fashioned you with his own hands. Your body is important to God because you were created by God. But the second reason why your body is so important to God is because the body was worn by God. The body was worn by God. I have up here a Houston Astros, Jose Altuve jersey. And I got it at the mall for 150 bucks. It's amazing how expensive these things are. But this is a really cool jersey. Um, Jose Altuve, uh, it's even got a signature that's not really his signature, but they stitch it in there to look like it, which makes it 150 bucks. But this one, and by the way, I'll sign any balls or any gloves or any jerseys without Tuve signature if you want, okay? Just bring it to me after the service. But um, I can fake it pretty good. Uh, this jersey here is worth $5,000 because this jersey was actually worn by Jose Altuve in the World Series. And it's authenticated by the MLB and it's 5,000 bucks. Why? Why is it so much more expensive than the other one? Because it was worn by Altuve. It's not my jersey, I borrowed it. I'm trying to be really careful with it. I'm gonna give them back this one. So uh, <laughs> I've got my plan, I'm gonna mix them all up, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. Being real careful with it, you know. But think about that for a moment. God wore the human body. In John 1:14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Two thousand years ago, God came to this earth and he put on the jersey of human flesh and blood. He became one of us. God elevated the value of the human body by putting one on. But the most important reason why our bodies are important to God is because my body was purchased by God. Your body is not your body, it belongs to God. In 1 Thessalonians 4.4, or in Romans 12, I'm getting a little confused here. 1 Corinthians 6.19, those other verses are good, but there's not, those aren't the ones, but uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The moment you accepted Christ into your life, he built this home in your heart. He came to live inside you through a spirit. It says in scripture, our bodies are now the temple of God. And his new home cost him a lot. You are expensive real estate. Maybe you didn't realize it, but you are very expensive real estate. It cost Christ his life. The price was really high. He thinks you're worth dying for. Now, uh, just focus in on that phrase, 
Therefore, honor God with your body. So that's why we are to honor God with our body. Your body was created by God, worn by God, but most importantly, our body was purchased by God. Your body doesn't belong to you. That's why you're not supposed to just do anything with your body because it belongs to God. The real question then is how do I honor God with my body? In Romans 12, one it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Saying give your bodies to God. So the first thing I have to do is go, God, I dedicate my body to you. This is really important when it comes to fitness of any kind, spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, to say, God, I admit and I recognize that my body is yours. I've been living like it's mine, but I dedicate my body to you. That's the first step to honor God with your body. I dedicate my body to you, and maybe that's the reason why some of the areas of your life aren't fit the way you want them to be. First, dedicate your body, your soul, and your spirit to God because it's all His. But then we need to be passionate about a healthy physical body. In 1 Thessalonians 4.4, it says that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So it says each of you should learn to control your body. Now, that means that self-control is something you can learn, which is good news for me. I need to learn so much more about self-control. He's saying you can practice self-control, and self-control is just not doing something you feel like doing because you know that it's best for you, or doing something you don't feel like doing because you know it's best for you. And as you continue to make those choices, you feel better about yourself, you affirm the fact that you have self-control and you're in training for more self-control and you just feel so much better about yourself. And then you develop a habit, which is crucial. And so the habits that we need to develop, and by the way, you know, I am not your personal trainer, God is. You need someone you can follow. And uh, this message is for me more than anyone else. But we need to develop the habit of eating healthy. Some people have medical reasons for weight problems, a metabolism issue, or, but for most of us, we just eat too much. We're on the seafood diet. We see food, we eat food. It's like, I don't even like this, but I gotta eat it, you know? It's like, in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, it says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. You're saying that your body was not created for sexual immorality. Now, God created sex as a great gift. You know, God invented sex. God created sex. It's for procreation and for our enjoyment and in the marriage relationship to bring husband and wife closer together in intimacy. Uh, but it is reserved for the marriage relationship. God says within the boundaries of the marriage relationship is what I made it for. And anything outside of the marriage relationship is immorality. And God's not saying you awful sinner. He's just saying that sin hurt you because there are profound spiritual and emotional ramifications 
It's not just a physical act. And so that's why lust and pornography is so destructive to us and our, it's so destructive in our culture today. It's because we weren't meant for that and it causes all kinds of problems in the wiring in our brains, in our relationships, in our emotions, in our physical relationship with our spouse. And so, and I'm not here to judge or to condemn I just want to say, if you're stuck in pornography and it's so addictive, if you're stuck in it, then God has a plan to give you victory. And it all starts with just telling someone else, hey, I'm stuck in this. Someone you trust and and to get it out in the open, I'm stuck in this and, and I don't want to be. You know, I want victory. God wants to give us victory. God forgives, but he also wants to give us victory. And I am so grateful that our restoration ministry is starting back up, you know, this year. Um, always take a break during the holidays. Starting back up this year, it's a huge ministry, and it's all about how to restore the broken places in our lives, and we all have broken places in our lives, and it's not about hiding it. We always think we need to hide those things in our lives that are ugly, but God says bring it into the light because we all have them. You bring it into the light, and it begins to disappear. The light begins to destroy it, and we can start living the way God meant for us to live, the way we want to live. But then Paul talks about eating as well. The point Paul is making here is eating is not an end in and of itself. We eat to live. We don't live to eat. He's saying, hey, all things are permissible for me. I'm a Christ follower. I'm living in grace. But that doesn't mean they're best for me. Food will not be my master because that makes me miserable. Only Christ will be my master. And we become mastered by unhealthy eating habits. We don't even know what we're putting into the temple and we end up trashing the temple. Did you know at an average American restaurant that the entree in an average American restaurant has 10 to 20 teaspoons of fat? Um, That's a lot. We wonder why our arteries get clogged, you know? It's like, it's because we love quantity too, you know, in America. It's just like, you know, give me three boxes to take four meals home. It's crazy. Did you know the average kid consumes 150 pounds of sugar a year? And that hinders brain development. Optimum machines is what God created us to be, but we're putting subpar fuel in those optimum machines. And so many of it is kind of hidden in our foods. Almost all of the zero-fat foods have tons of sugar, and you're going, man, I could eat a zero-fat diet. This is pretty amazing. This is really good, but don't look at the ingredients, you know? because they fill them with lots of sugar, which just turns into fat. And so we need to read those ingredients. I used to give my kids Lunchables because you know what, they need to eat something healthy. Did you know Lunchables have nine teaspoons of sugar in them? And it's crazy, isn't it? Um, Did you know four pieces of pepperoni pizza have 18 teaspoons of fat in it? And I'm not saying don't eat pizza, I love pizza. It's just recognize what we're eating so that we can eat healthy, and I'm not gonna tell you what diet to do. I'm on four diets and I'm never hungry. So I, it's working great, all four are working great. I'm gonna add two more, but um, I'm not gonna tell you what diet and what to do, but we know that God gave us vegetables and whole grains and fruits and all those things that we're taking out of our diets today. And so it's really important. And then we wanna develop the habit of an exercise plan, an exercise plan. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul is saying, I put discipline so that my body, which is flesh, responds to my true spirit. I'm not gonna let my body do whatever it feels like doing because my body is flesh and I know that God has created me as a new creation. I have a new heart. I have a true heart. And I don't want to do those things. All those things that my body wants to do, I'm not going to do. And that's what discipline is. So how do we develop that discipline? And this is the way it is for most areas of life. If you want to make a change, first you have to have a plan. You got to have a plan. You got to have a written down plan. You got to have the plan that you know you're going to do. Then you need a partner. You have to have a plan, you have to have a partner. Someone who helps you stay accountable that you do this with. It's really hard to be doing something like this all alone because you're only accountable to yourself and yourself can make some bad decisions. So you have a partner and then you practice. You're in practice. Last week I said when you're changing, you're in training. You're not trying, you're training. And that way you don't try and fail. If you miss a couple of days or you mess up, then you just get right back to your training because you're in training. You love to eat clean and you love to exercise. You didn't do it for a couple of days, but you're just in training. Who you are is someone who exercises, someone who eats healthy. That's who you are. Well, you didn't today. That doesn't change who you are. And so it's a shift in mentality because if you change the way you think, you'll change the way you act. If you don't change the way you think, you're not gonna change the way you act. And if you don't do these things plan, get a partner, and practice, and the fourth thing, power, God's power, then you're not going to be able to stick it out because you need God's power. Willpower is limited, very limited. We usually use our willpower and we work against things. We use our willpower, we use our willpower, and eventually willpower just wears you out, and you go back to what you're doing. We've all tried willpower, and it doesn't work, so you need God's power this year to say, God, I don't feel like this right now, but I'm gonna take a step of faith, but I need your power to do it. I need your power to stick with this training that I'm in right now. I need your strength and your power. And so 2 Timothy um, verse one, or chapter one, verse seven, is the, the promise that I want you to claim this year. You, you need to memorize it, meditate on it. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So if you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and he didn't give you a spirit of timidity or fear. He gave you the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So you already have self-discipline in your life. It may be buried underneath a lot of things, but you have it in your life through the Holy Spirit. And so claim that. That's who you are. You're not undisciplined. You know, it's like, well, I got to eat sugar because that's the way I am. I just crave it. No, God says, I, I've given you self-discipline. And now you have to choose against your flesh with my power and step out in faith. And I'm gonna give you the power. And when you mess up, you don't beat yourself up. You just get right back with it because you're in training. And you're better today than you were last week, last month in your training process. But I want you to claim that this year because it changes your mentality to the truth rather than the enemy's lies because he doesn't want you to be as healthy as you can be. 
So first, I need to be passionate about a healthy physical body. Secondly, I need to be prepared for a perfect heavenly body. You, you see, our bodies here on this earth are what I call our earth suits. We won't need them in eternity. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So you can go overboard with taking care of your earth suit and forget it's just a temporary outfit because we won't have it forever. We have it for a few short years on this earth and the better you take care of it, probably the longer you'll live, but none of us are assured of that. But we have eternity forever and we won't need these bodies in heaven. And some people work out at the gym three hours a day, but they never work on spiritual growth and spiritual fitness, which is far more important and will last for all eternity. And if you're a believer, one day you'll go to heaven and you'll get a new heavenly body that's perfect. And one of the questions I get asked as a pastor about heaven a lot is, Carrie, will we be able to recognize our loved ones in heaven? Will we know who they are? We'll be able to identify our loved ones in heaven. And of course you will. We're not going to be angels. The Bible says God has enough angels already. You're not gonna have wings and sit on a cloud playing a harp. You're not going to be an angel. We're gonna be the same people. It's just we'll get a new glorified body, a new perfect body. That's why there's no need for health clubs in heaven. Praise God. You'll recognize your loved ones, even though it may take you a moment. Wow, you're 50 pounds lighter. You look great. No more wrinkles. Pastor Kerry, you got hair. I didn't recognize you for a year in heaven. This is exciting. I've been talking to you for six months. Didn't know you were Pastor Kerry. But you'll have a new perfect body and some of you are going, well, I'm just gonna wait till heaven then. Well, you're gonna get there a lot earlier than a lot of folks then. So, no, God says, I want you to learn discipline and, and it builds your character and that's what you take into heaven with you. And so, 1 Timothy 4.8 says, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it provides a reward in both this life and the next. And some people spend so much of their time just on their physical body and their spirit is in atrophy and they wonder why they're having these problems in their relationships or they're climbing the ladder of success and they wonder why they feel empty on the inside. It's because they're neglecting the most important part of their life, their spirit. So how do I prepare for a perfect heavenly body? First, make Christ the Lord of your life. Commit your life to Christ. Receive his free gift of forgiveness and salvation. Receive his free gift of heaven one day. Stop trying to save yourself and let Christ save you. That's first. And then secondly, build your spiritual muscles. Build your spiritual muscles, your character. We're gonna talk about this next week because you can build your faith muscles. And that is so important. It's so important for your life, for your relationships, for everything you do because... Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God wants you to build your faith muscles. And you say, well, I don't have a lot of faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes a little bit of faith placed totally on him to build your faith muscles. It's gonna be life-changing next weekend. So be passionate about a healthy physical body. Be prepared for a perfect heavenly body. And then thirdly, be a part of a healthy church body. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. And the way we identify each other is because of our physical bodies. If we were just spirit and we all have a spirit that comes alive when we trust Christ, we all have a spirit that's real, 
But without a body, we couldn't identify each other. The body of Christ is the church. When the world looks at the church, that's how they identify what Jesus looks like. They ought to be able to look at the church and say, so that's what Christ looks like. And by the way, the church is you and me. The church is people, not a place you go. It's not a building, it's the body of Christ. And they ought to be able to look at us and say, oh, so that's what Jesus looks like because Christ is in our lives through his Holy Spirit and now we're the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the voice of Jesus so that people can identify what Jesus is like. In Romans 12, four, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Focus on that word belongs. You see, such a huge part of the Christian life is belonging to each other. It's believing and building your faith muscles by spending time in God's word. And we have our daily devotional, video devotional, every day, Monday through Friday to help you with that on our website and our social media platforms. But you've got to belong. You can never become all that God calls you to be unless you belong to a local church family. The New Testament puts a huge emphasis on being a member of a local church family because it's about belonging. That's where you grow best. It's part of God's will for your life. And if you're not a member of a local church family, then you're out of God's will. It's as simple as that. You're missing out on what God wants to give you and what God wants to do through your life. It's about belonging. Now, uh, there are some Christians today who say, well, I don't wanna really be a member of any church. I just kinda go to this church and that church. and I don't really wanna commit to any church. That would be like Jose Altuve saying, I don't wanna really commit to the Astros. I, I wanna play for the Astros for a few weeks. And then I'll play for the Angels for a few weeks. Then I'll play for the Yankees for a few weeks. And that's ridiculous. But God says commitment builds our character and he wants you to be a part of a local church family, to join a local church family. And you know, some people say, well, I don't like organized religion. I love Jesus, but I don't like organized religion. I say, that's great, we're disorganized religion. Come on, join us, you know? <laughs> or there's a lot of misconceptions about a large church. You know, sometimes people come here to Woodland Church and they go, well, they don't really need me down there. And nothing can be further from the truth because you know, this passage says that we're all part, but we all have different functions. And if God brought you here and you know, hey, I like Woodland Church, and God brought you here, that means he probably wants you to join here because it means the church needs you. Someone in the church needs you. You need some folks in the church. We need each other. God wants to use your gifts, your abilities, your passions to make a difference. God is building his church. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with small churches. We need all sizes of churches. And by the way, our church, you may not realize this, but our church was really small. You know, we used to be a really small church and it was really kind of fun. You knew everybody. Well, sometimes it wasn't because there's some people that you wish you didn't know. But, uh, <laughs> and you're gonna see them every week, you know, in a small church, so you better like them. And, but we were a really small church. When we were a church of 150, I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is awesome. And God grows the church. We were a church of 300. That's a great size. Church of 1,000. Church of more than 1,000. Thousands. And so, uh, but here's the thing, we need all kinds of churches, but one of the things I'm so grateful for now that we're not a small church is there's so many opportunities in a church our size, so many opportunities to get connected in so many ways to grow. 
There's so many opportunities to serve and do ministry and something that you're passionate about or you have gifts in. There's so many opportunities. And, and by the way, one of the biggest opportunities is for our students, for our teenagers. One of the things that Chris always said as we started the church, he said, we better start the church now while our kids are young because they need a great student ministry that's got a lot of kids in it when they're teenagers. She saw ahead and she knew this because so many times our kids, when they were teenagers, wouldn't tell us what was going on in their life and their struggles, but they would talk to their student pastors and they had so many kids that were going the right direction that they could stand strong against peer pressure. And that's one of the greatest things about a larger church. It's a large student ministry where they go, you know what? You know, there are a lot of folks with me and there are a lot of folks going the right direction and it's gonna help me out. And I've got student pastors I can talk to about anything. That's so important. But then maybe the most important thing or maybe the thing that I love the most about a large church is a big church can make a big difference. When we get our eyes on God and off ourselves, eyes on God and onto others, then you know what? We can all band together and we've done it so many times, band together and, and provide Christmas for thousands of kids or band together and solve you know, the problems in the homeless population uh, in Houston for a bit. We, we did that several years ago where we found out from the homeless shelters in Houston that their biggest need was not blankets. People gave them blankets all the time in the winter, but it was shoes. It was shoes and underwear and socks. And so at the end of a service, I said, if you feel led to give your shoes, then just come and give your shoes and walk out barefoot and feel what the homeless feel so much. And, and we had 10,000 pairs of shoes given, and there were some really nice shoes. I tried a few on. God convicted me. Then... Uh, <laughs> Some really nice sneakers. There were some cowboy boots that were awesome. So, um, but what we did is we, we boxed them all up, put the sizes on it and, and sprayed them, disinfected them just in case. And then we brought them down to the homeless shelters and they said, man, you've solved the, the whole problem for at least several months. A big church can make a big difference. Then the next week we said, bring your underwear. But we said it before so you'd bring packaged underwear that was clean, okay, okay. Just want you to understand that. And we brought 13,000 pair of underwear. And so God can use a big church. We need all different sizes of church. It's not the size of the church, it's the life in the church that matters. But I'm grateful that our church that used to be so small and God used it, and I would say things like that, and maybe we would get, you know, 50 pair of shoes. But now, you know, God says, what an opportunity. A big church can make a big difference. And so, if you are coming to Woodland Church and you haven't joined the church, then probably God wants you to join Woodland Church. It's part of God's will for your life. And how you join it is today, one o'clock to three o'clock, we have our membership class. And so I'll be there. It's just a great class. It's a way to get connected. That's how you joined Woodland's church. We feed you. We take care of your kids from one to three. And it's just a little baby step of faith, but it takes you to a whole new world to a whole new level. It's believing and it's belonging. So I really challenge you to join the church today if you haven't. Get connected. You know, Merriam-Webster announced their word of the year in December and the word of the year was authentic. In its announcement, the dictionary said the word had seen a big jump in searches this year thanks to the discussion of AI, celebrity culture, identity, and social media. AI and image generators of deep fakes have left us uncertain about what's genuine today. From student essays to Sports Illustrated articles to 
the Pope's fashion choices, we're not sure if it's real or not. And social media feeds have become carefully curated to make us look like we've got it all together all the time. They're really like little aspirational art projects that, hey, this is the way I wish I was, but I'm gonna pretend like I am. And I'm gonna put out the very best of me in my house and my stuff that shows that everything's perfect. And Webster points out that authenticity itself has become performance. In other words, we're getting very good at pretending to be authentic. You know, there's an old joke that says, authenticity is the key. Once you can fake that, you got it made. And that's kind of the way our society is today. But not at church. You can be real at church about your struggles, about your brokenness, and find acceptance and find people that want to help you along to find victory in Christ because we all have areas of our life that are broken. And that's why it's all about authenticity. And authenticity doesn't mean perfection. It's far from it. It just means you don't have to hide. We don't have to hide our brokenness and our mess. We can come together at church because church is a hospital for sinners. It's not a courthouse of judgment. You know, it's a place where you can be real. It may be the only place you can be real. But that's what God wants for us. It's not a bunch of happy people. It's a bunch of people who have brokenness and hurt and sorrow, but they come to Christ and they find joy and we find joy here and we celebrate together and it's amazing. We connect in life groups and we have friendships that help us through the tough times in life and it's not a place of perfect people. It's a place where imperfect people are looking to God, the perfect one, and he's changing our lives. That's what it's all about. Let's stand Wilden's church and let's thank him for his love for us and the church and that we can be real and we don't have to fake it because he is our savior, our forgiver, our Lord. Let's thank him, Woodland Church. And, and let's pray for the king of glory to do all that he wants in our lives. Dear God, we thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I know that there's some here today that have never really made you Lord of their life, never really received you into their life, and they're not prepared for a new heavenly body. They're not prepared for heaven. So I pray today, right now in the silence of this moment, they would just pray, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sins. I need you to save me. I need you to come into my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life, the CEO of my life from now on. I wanna follow you as best I know how. Help me grow in my faith. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. And then, Lord, I, I just pray for every one of us who struggle with that self-discipline, that you this year would just help us with your power and your strength in us to change our mindset, to believe the truth, and then to act on it so that we do not what our body just feels like at the moment, but what we truly want to do, to live from our true selves, what you call us to do, which is always best for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us. And I know some here today want to have a healthy body. It's not their fault because they're going through sickness. They're going through, Lord, a time of where their, their body is not responding and, and they're hurting and 
Their body's deteriorating. I pray that you would give them, Lord, just a piece of the hope of heaven, but we also pray for healing physically, Lord. We don't understand why you don't always heal instantly. We don't understand, Lord, all of your plans, but we know you heal and we see it all the time. So heal physical bodies today. And I pray that again, you would bring breakthrough in areas that we're stuck in. That you would do it in your name, Jesus. You would break strongholds in our minds and in our lives and in our bodies and emotions and relationships. Break strongholds in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, praise God. You know, the Bible says... Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And you know, the church is you and me. Sometimes people say, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites down there. Well, because you don't go, there's one less hypocrite. So, <laughs> because the church is not an organization, it's people. And so God says, I'll build my church. Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church. 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 And the gates of hell will not stand against it. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Amen. He's here, and I praise God for him. And we love you, sir. God bless you, sir. God says, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm telling you, he's going to build this church, and the church is you, so he's going to build you. Do you believe he's going to build you this year to make you all that he wants you to be? He's going to build you this year. God wants to build you. God's gonna build you. Let's sing it with all our hearts. God's gonna build you. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.